out, uh, standing firm for Jesus and standing firm in the truth. And this is the greatest lesson that these kids could ever learn, amen, is them coming to know Jesus and then walking with the Lord. I'm going to let everybody kind of settle down for a second here. If you're wondering what this, this seat was up here, I kind of wondered myself at, at the beginning. It was here all week, and it was sitting in that one spot. And, you know, you think maybe it's for the kid that did the best that day or something like that. But, no, uh, this chair, Maria had said, represents the Lord. We have an honored guest, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Even though we can't see him, this just represents that he's here with us. And he is here with us now. We want these children to know that Jesus is real. This is not a fairy tale. This isn't Jack and the Beanstalk, okay? And it's not choose your own flavor of religion. It is he is the way, the truth, and the life, amen? He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I want to pray one more time for the message today. And again, we'll, at the end of the service, uh, we'll say a blessing for the food. And uh, pray that you'll all stay with us and, and just spend some time this afternoon this afternoon and, and fellowship. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this week. I thank you, Lord, for these songs, God, and how they glorify you and speak of you, Lord. I thank you for those that worked hard and put so much uh, time and effort in, Lord, because we want these young people to know you and to walk with you, Lord. And Father, I thank you for your presence here today, God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, Lord, you're in our midst. You said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, God. Lord, we pray you'd speak to our hearts in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to read one scripture to open. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Most of these scriptures came from Ephesians 6. We will uh, get to a few of those verses here a little bit later. You know, every one of those songs had a really wonderful message. Real simple, but real uh, right on target. Very biblical and very true. But I want you, if you would look at, at Colossians chapter 1, we'll read verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So it speaks here, Paul speaks to the church in Colossae about a translation or a movement from one kingdom to another. There are two kingdoms. They're not a, millions of different kingdoms. Really, when you boil it down, there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of Christ and the truth, and there's all that lies outside of Christ and lies outside of the truth. That can take on many shapes and forms and personalities, but really it boils down to Christ, his kingdom. He has a kingdom. He is the king of that kingdom, and he's a soon-and-coming king, and we'll establish it here on the earth at some point and not into too distant future and there's a kingdom of darkness and these children learned about that they learned in part about that all week long that there is an actual ongoing battle and in this battle there are weapons and there are offensive weapons like the sword that they sang up take up your sword 
right? That's the offensive weapon, the word of God. They learned about the shield of faith and, and the breastplate of righteousness and their loins girt about with truth and their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel and the helmet of salvation and these things to defend them and protect them from the attacks of the enemy that would war against their souls. It is a battle of light and darkness. It's an ongoing battle. It's a battle that has been going on since the beginning of creation. It's a battle that is actually between light and darkness, and it's a battle for truth. And what's at stake? What hangs in the balance is actually the heart and life and eternity or eternal destination of every man, woman, and child. The stakes are high. They're higher than any battle between countries, you know, against, say, Marxism and socialism and communism and democracy or some battle between nations because this has to do with eternity. This has to do with an individual's eternal life and their eternity. And there's two distinct kingdoms, and Jesus Christ is the truth. If it's a, if it's a fight for truth, and it's a kingdom of truth, Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the truth. And he and he alone is the light of the world, the Bible says. In him was life, and in him was no darkness at all. That God is light, and in him, John says, is no darkness at all. You know, so many things in life can be gray, and you're not quite sure. You know, little truth, a little error, mostly true, a little error. There are things in life that could be that way. But when it comes to the God and the things of God and truth and error, there's a very distinct line, and there's not a blending of the two. There's not a, a mixture of the two. In Genesis, you know, if you open your Bible and just started reading it like a book, you know, not directed to any particular chapter, and you said, I'm just going to start reading it like a book, which is a wonderful way to read the Bible, by the way. And you start reading in Genesis 1.1, it says in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God. We see God right off the bat. He created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And what darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God divided the light from the darkness. And the darkness he called, uh, the light he called day, the darkness, <coughs> excuse me, he called night. The evening and the morning were the first day. He saw the light that it was good. But there was a division. There's a division. And a lot of things in, in life, probably most things in life, it's good to be unified on different things. It's good to be unified and walk together. Husbands and wives need to be unified. Families, schools, whatever. We need to be in unity. But when it comes to truth and error and Christ and what lies outside of Christ and darkness and light, there is no blending and mixture it's really an error or a misunderstanding on our part to try to blend the two. They don't go together. God has not intended for them to. They cannot. They cannot go together. So you can try, and one can try, to bring a mixture of light and darkness, and they're not going to mix when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the things of God. And so uh, he's the light of the world. He alone is the truth the way, the truth, and the life. And the Lord Jesus, when we talked about him creating all things, he, uh, he created all things and all men and women and children. He created all that is for his pleasure and for his, he has a holy purpose behind everything. And he desires for men 
to know him and walk with him. That is just number one. That is above all things. He, he created all of creation, and he says when he was finished, it was good. Behold, it was very good. But the one thing, uh, the, the one that, that was different than all of the other parts of creation was man. He created man in his image and to bear his image. There was a godlike quality of man to reason with God. For a man that God created a fellowship with the Lord. And sin has marred that. And sin has separated that and plunged man and creation along with it into darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. He came to save men. He came to bring us to himself. He came to reconcile men unto God. You know, we have attorneys that seek, uh, mediators that try to bring uh, labor and, and, you know, employers and labor together and, and try to mediate between two parties to find common ground. But Jesus Christ came to be the Savior of the world to reconcile sinful men unto a holy God through the blood of his cross. God in the form of man. The Bible says, and the word became flesh. Jesus is the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Speaking a lot this week to the kids about truth. He is full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is not some aspect of truth. He's not just a piece to the puzzle. He is the puzzle. He's the answer to it all. Okay? And neither, I will say this too, because this goes along with the, the world in which we live, neither is Jesus Christ simply your personal truth or my personal truth, but someone else may hold to a different truth. truth and as long as it's true for them, it's okay. Uh, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> gravity is gravity, whether I believe it or not, or whether it's my personal truth. If I jump off a 20-story building, gravity is going to pull me down, right? If I don't have uh, some, some airplane or something to catch me and carry me off. It's, it, Jesus Christ is the truth. He's not simply my personal truth. He is the truth whether I believe in Jesus or not. If I totally reject Christ and say I want nothing to do with that person, that God, that faith, that religion, it doesn't change a thing. The truth is still the truth. You haven't diminished the truth. You've just, you've just made a, a gross error concerning your own life. Okay, But he's not simply my truth and then you can hold to whatever truth you want to and someone else here and someone across the, the Pacific Ocean they can hold to whatever truth they want it's, Jesus didn't make it that way and I personally I'm a very simple person in the sense not uneducated but very simple in the, in the, in the sense of this that I'm very thankful that God made it simple the Bible spe speaks about the, the uh, simplicity that is in Christ in other words, we choose, he that hath the Son of God hath life, says in 1 John. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? It's very, uh, very distinct. There's light and there's darkness. And so Jesus is not just, you're, you take him or leave him, and then it's okay, because as long as you sincerely believe what you believe, it's okay. That is what the world puts out there, but nowhere are you going to find that in the Bible. That is not what's taught. 
God wants us to know. He's hollering out. He's shouting out the truth. The word of God, the Bible says, is sounding out. He's trying to get men's attention to wake us up. The whole world lies in the embrace, the Bible says, of the wicked one. Lies embrace. And I just picture like uh, happily and lazily and comfortably men have just kind of sunk down and they're just going down like a lazy river. Everybody in here has probably at some point been in the inner tube, just floating in a pool, floating down a lazy river, not really concerned that much about what's around the bend when it comes to the, the things of God. And people are just lazily going through life, sun up, sun down, sun up, sun down, get the kids off to school, you know, get them breakfast, make sure they do the homework, whatever, and just get, getting through another day. And while that's happening, your life is passing. And while that's happening, my life is passing. And the Lord is calling out saying, wake up. He's saying, wake up. You know, the, the world's just lying. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth, the good news to wake us up and to bring us out of this darkness that the children learned about the word of God. Not like they learned every scripture in the Bible. They learned about the word of God, the importance of it the truth of it, the power of it, the need for it, the need to bury God's word. Remember they did the motions, bury God's word deep in your heart. Train your brain and memorize, okay? Take up God's word. Well, God's word, I mentioned that Jesus is not just an aspect of truth. He said, he said out of his own mouth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. All that try to come up another way are thieves and robbers, he said. Well, I don't think I need Jesus. I think I can find another way to God, to heaven, if there is a heaven, to paradise, to whatever, afterlife. And people try to come up another way. And Jesus said, there's not another way. You need to come back right here. You need to come back and come through me. He says, I'm the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. But God's word is not simply an aspect of the truth either. God's word is truth. It doesn't contain some things that are true. And I'm going to give you a scripture to, to say that. Jesus said he was the night before that night he was going to be arrested. And the next day he would go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. He's with his disciples privately. And he's praying to his father for his disciples and he says, Father, sanctify them or separate them or purify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay? It is the word of God. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Lord wants us to walk in truth. He wants us to know the truth, and he wants us to walk in the truth. Jesus said, how be it when the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come, and he has come, uh, he will guide you into all truth. We don't have to walk around in darkness. We don't have to walk around uncertain. We don't have to walk around in a gray area or dimly lit things when it comes to the, the, the things of God or morals or spiritual truth. We don't have to walk around in some type of, of darkness or fog or haze or uncertainty. God wants us to know. He wants us to know, to know clearly and distinctly that Christ is the Son of God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So the whole world lies in this darkness. They don't have to stay there. We were in darkness once. I was lost as, as a goose, as they say, at one time, and the Lord saved me. 
There are everybody that's in this room that is saved today. At one point, you didn't know the Lord. He saves people every day. He's able to save. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, right? When we put our faith and trust in the Lord. But just to speak about this just, just for a moment, the Bible talks about um, a spiritual darkness, and, and really it's, it's, an, it's a foolishness. The Bible says there, our foolish hearts are darkened. It, the, this spiritual darkness, and uh, I would call it ignorance as well, is not, has nothing to do with a man's intelligence or a woman's intelligence, okay? It has nothing to do with your IQ or your school learning. Somebody could be very educated and not know the things of God and be in darkness. Somebody could be very uneducated, like a li- one of these little children, and you know so much more than they do about science and math and, and just life in general, and yet they can be wiser then and have this spiritual light be wiser than a man that's very educated because it has nothing to do with intelligence it has to do with the it's a matter of the heart it has to do with believing in christ or not and that's all have you believed in the only begotten son of god or have you not because in believing just in believing there's there's the light comes on and we're translated as we opened with from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So there's two distinct kingdoms. And when we say, I do, to Jesus Christ, we realize our own sin and that he's the only savior and forgiver of sins. And we say, God, I give my life to you. Come into my heart, save me. He actually translates us. We open with that scripture in Colossians. We were in this kingdom of darkness, whether we realized it fully or not. And he translates us or moves us and puts us in the kingdom of Christ with him. And there's not an in-between kingdom that kind of gets you from that one to this one. Jesus gets you from that one to this one. Faith in Jesus Christ gets you from this one to that one. And if you're not in this one, then you're still in that one. There's not an in-between. And so the Bible says there's none that understands. There's none that seeks God. There's none that understands. So that darkness is prevalent. You're not an exception to the rule, then I'm not an exception to the rule. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks God. So what does God do? He, come, he came to seek and save the lost. He comes seeking for you. He comes knocking at the door of your heart through these little kids and the, and the words they sing in those songs or this message or the Bible or a friend that knows Jesus Christ. And, or yet the conscience that you have, that you know, you know what's right and wrong, but you don't know the Lord. And he is coming to seek you, and he's coming to seek me, and he desires for us to give our lives to him. He wants to bring us out. You know, a lot of people think that they're, and, and may turn themselves maybe God-seekers, that they're, they're seeking for truth. You know, they might be seeking God in, in meditation or yoga or and this religion or that religion or that religion, and they're seeking for, for truth. But really, in all honesty, Jesus, they're, they're not really seeking. They're not going to find what they're seeking for outside of Christ. They can seek and seek and seek. The Bible speaks of those ever learning and yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because if they're setting out with a mindset, maybe there's a little truth in all these great 
religions or philosophies, and I'll just try to glean what I consider the best of those and tr try to build my theory or philosophy of life on that. Uh, they're not going to find it because one thing, someone that considers themselves very open-minded, I'll tell you what they're, what they're very closed-minded to. They would, might be insulted. I'm so open-minded, and so, but they're very closed-minded to the truth. They're closed-minded to believe that there is an actual absolute truth and that there are absolute lies and half-truths that lie around it. And if we go out with that mindset that it is not the truth, then I don't believe people are going to find what they're seeking for. Jesus was standing. He, uh, the Jews had falsely accused him. You can't even call it a trial, but it was a mock trial where he stood before Pontius Pilate, the governor. And Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus, just the two of them were talking. And, and Pilate says, don't you know I have power to condemn you or to spare your life or to have you killed? And Jesus says, you, you have no power over my life. You know, I lay it down and I take it up again. I have this authority. He said, but, but Pilate asked him, what, it, what is truth? And Jesus said, he said, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Jesus' voice and truth are synonymous. They go together. We hear his voice. We hear his voice. Everyone that is of the truth hears the voice of the Lord. And we walk in the truth and we respond to the truth. We have a very real enemy. And so what's the warfare? And what's the battle? And why do we need a sword and a shield and marching boots, right? And a breastplate. What am, what am I being protected from? Jesus Christ is the truth. I get that. What's the battle? Well, the battle is between the truth and, and, and the false, the light of Christ and the darkness. And just because uh, there's, just because you've chosen the truth doesn't mean that, that the darkness is just going to back off and, and lay low and not try to come after you anymore, okay? We have a very real enemy, a very real enemy that the Bible calls the devil. He's our adversary. He's Satan. And can I tell you right now that Satan is not your friend. The devil is not your friend. He's not your buddy. He doesn't love you. He doesn't want what's best for your life. No matter how he portrays himself, he is a master deceiver, okay? He's better at it than you are. He's better at deceiving than you are from being deceived. He's had thousands of years to perfect his craft. He knows what he's doing. I heard a preacher say one time, he's not good, but he's a good devil. He's good at doing what he do does as a devil. And so we have this adversary... And he wants to keep us blinded to the truth. And however he, whatever works to keep an individual blinded for the truth, that's what he'll do. In other words, for some people, just, just stay with this group of friends. That was a big part of it for my life. I had friends that didn't know Christ when I was in high school and college. And they were my best friends. And I just stayed with them. They, weren't, they didn't know God. They weren't seeking after God. They weren't seeking after the things of God. I just stayed with them. That was an effective tool, I guess you would say, for Satan to keep me there. Now, the Lord called me out of that. I will say this, greater, praise God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God snatched me out. I made a choice. He, he called me. 
put the fear of God in me and I chose the Lord. But Satan is not our friend. He doesn't want what's best for you. The thief, that's what he's called, came for one purpose. Really can summed up in three things, but it's one purpose. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So no matter what picture he paints or presents to you, um, this is the way to go. This is exciting. This, this, whatever he presents, it's a lie. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. When he speaks, uh, he speaks a lie. He speaks a, of himself. He was a murderer from the beginning, he's, Jesus says in John chapter 8. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. But there's a lot of things in, in life that can, that can form a person's worldview, okay? The education you have, your parents and your upbringing, just your circle as you grew up have a great influence. Uh, it could be good or bad, but on the worldview world that you have and the view of God that you have. But we have to go to the truth, y'all. We have to go to the Word of God to find out, thus saith the Lord, okay? So I'm just going to give a couple of scenarios about people choosing Christ and choosing which kingdom to be part of, or uh, with darkness or light. We're, we spoke about the devil, okay? His kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. He is the God of this world. The Bible calls him that, God with the little g, because he's not almighty God. He's a created being under, the, under God, okay? But he is the God of this world, he is called. And he doesn't care if an individual, you, for example, or me, he doesn't care if you are a Satanist or an atheist. He doesn't care if you're agnostic. He doesn't care if you're religious. He doesn't care if you're a free thinker or consider yourself a free thinker or open-minded. He doesn't consider if you call yourself a progressive or a new ager. He doesn't care if you consider yourself a good old boy. He doesn't care if you're a churchgoer. He doesn't care if you consider yourself none of the above. The only thing the enemy cares about is that you don't believe in Jesus Christ. That you don't trust him wholly and solely as your Savior and Lord. That you don't come to Christ and repent and give your life to him. That you aren't forgiven. That you aren't washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That you aren't born of his spirit. The devil wants you to remain in his kingdom. Whatever label you want to give yourself. The kingdom of darkness is on this side. Whatever label you want to give yourself. There are churchgoers that don't know Christ. There are Satanists, obviously, that don't know Christ. There are uh, New Agers, uh, Buddhists, Hindus. There, what, none of the above. He doesn't care about any of that. Just that you stay in this kingdom. You might think you're so open-minded and free and you're not like this other one. And this, He doesn't care about that. He's got you right where he wants you. Just stay in this kingdom. You're in my kingdom over here. The only other kingdom is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of Christ. He doesn't want you to come to know him. Let me give you some different ideas that people have about the Lord. People out there, and, and they believe, okay, uh, I don't believe in any God at all. You probably know people. I don't believe in any God, period. 
think it's all mythology. It's stuff that weak people have made up over the years to help cope with life and so forth. All right? People believe that. Others may say this would be more like the agnostic. I believe in <coughs> excuse me, some type of higher power. He, she, it exists. But no one can truly know this this God in any personal way. It's arrogant to think that you could. Okay? That's another thought. Others might say, well, I believe in science. Science is perfect. Science is faultless. Science, if science proves something, science is my God. Science is my path to follow. How many of you know science has been proved to be wrong more than once? Okay? Many times. But they're putting their faith up because science is, is men. It's men with theories, right? And so they come up with it. I'm not anti-science at all. I'm simply saying people will say science is what I follow. Others may say uh, there's probably a little truth in all of these uh, religions. And so maybe, you know, they're probably all going to end up in the same place as long as they're sincere. Others may say, well, you know, I only one that I can really trust is myself. You ever heard this, follow your heart? It sounds warm and fuzzy. It sounds warm and fuzzy. If I follow my heart, I can't go wrong. Who says? Who says you can't go wrong because you follow your heart? The Bible says, right, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I'm just going to follow my heart and do what I want. You know what? I've followed my heart before and been dead wrong about things. I was wrong. It was stupid. It was foolish. Whatever I was doing and just following my heart and doing what's right. And I get there and say, what a mistake I made. God, get me out of this. And he does by his grace. Following our others may say, uh, you know, again, I'm the only one I can trust is myself. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to be my own God. They wouldn't say those words, but that's the thought. I'll be my, my own God. Others may say, I trust in my worldly attainments. I can trust in my wealth. Any storm that comes, I have enough stored up that I'll be okay. I, my possessions that I have, I'm going to get by. I'll trust in that and for the pleasures that it brings. That's what I'll trust in. You know what Solomon, the wisest man besides Christ that ever lived on the earth, Solomon said, riches profit not in the day of wrath. They're not going to help, okay? When you come stand, standing face to face to the Lord, you're not going to be bringing all your stuff with you, okay? Jesus died for your sins and the sins of the world. He paid a price much greater than all your wealth. He cost, gave his own life. The blood of Jesus Christ is what has been used to purchase our lives if we will give our life to him. I want to bring this on that, again, the weapons that the kids talked about in the shield of faith, and they talked a lot about the word of God. Well, how can I know if, if there's truth and error, and how can I really tell which is which? Because Satan is very good at half-truths. How many of you know that? He's very good at half-truths. A half-truth is way is much more dangerous and effective than an out-and-out -out lie. We see something that this person's a murderer. He's coming at me with a knife. I know that he's not my friend, okay? 
But if he comes to me dressed up like a, I don't know, like just a grandpa or something, and comes and, and, and is offering me some cotton candy or whatever, uh, it's harder to detect, right? How can we tell the truth from the lie, the darkness from the light? Because Satan is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. We, need to, we know from the Word of God, y'all. We know from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And so we, we have to spend time. We get to spend time in the Word of God. And God teaches us spiritually to discern between good and evil, what's of God and what's not of God. He doesn't want us to be fooled. We don't have to be fooled. I don't have to stay in darkness. I don't have to make mistake after mistake. Oh, I was tricked again. Oh, the devil got me again. I was tricked again. He wants us to know, know him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. The voice of a stranger will he not follow. When we come to know Christ, we know that voice. We know it from the word of God. And when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, he is the Holy Spirit. He leads us into all truth. He doesn't lead us into mostly truth and some lies. He's always going to lead us in the right way and the way that we should go. So I'm going to bring this to a close this morning, that this battle that's going on. You know, as I said at the beginning, our, our church doesn't always look like this. I'm glad it does for this week. You know, it represents a castle, which is something strong. And there's a king who fell over here. Uh, and and the sword and there's these knights that are defenders of the truth it's symbolic we understand that that's not the kingdom of god but it's representing those things but it's it's fun and games the kids had a lot of fun this week but it's more than fun and games because the truth that's being taught and what they're learning is is no game okay is no game at all this is absolutely has to do with your Heart, your heart, parents, and grandparents, and church members, and it has to do with your children's, uh, your heart, your soul, your life, your eternity hangs in the balance. It's not just some other type of battle between uh, you know, the baseball championship that's going on or whatever. It's a battle for the truth. Jesus said this. He said, I said unto you that you will die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. Again, I said earlier, I'm glad that the Lord makes things simple. I am, when he says I am he, he's speaking about a name of God, a name of the Lord, Jehovah. If you don't believe that I am that I am, you're going to die in your sins. It comes down to belief or unbelief, not intelligence, not upbringing and education, Every man has a choice. That one of the songs they decide is choose and decide which kingdom you're going to be part of. Amen. Paul said, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter said he stood before the religious council of unbelieving Jews. He and John, the Lord had just used them to raise a, a lame man up to where he could walk. Instantly, he was healed. Not a fairy tale. This happened right outside the temple gate in Jerusalem. And he jumps up, and the man's healed, and he's leaping, and he's praising God. And a bunch of crowd gathers to say, what in the world is going on? Isn't that the lame man that always lays here? And he says he was lame. And, 
but the Lord has healed him, and they begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for the sins of the world, that he rose again from power, that he's the only son of God, that he was the promised Messiah that came to be the savior of the world. And 5,000 people believed. 5,000 people believed. And so the Jews didn't like them believing and didn't like the message that Peter and John were preaching. So they brought him before a council and beat him and threatened him not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They were in the kingdom of darkness and they wanted to, at least at that point, these individual Jews, they wanted to stay there. Others were being translated and brought out, the 5,000. But they threatened him not to preach in his name anymore, in Christ's name anymore. And, and Paul says, I mean, Peter says, uh, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's it. Simple, straightforward. A lot of things you can compromise, you know, compromise to where are we going to eat today? Well, I wanted this, I wanted that. Well, let's compromise and go here. Well, probably neither of us wanted to go. Uh, you know, we can compromise on all types of things, but when it comes to the Lord and the things of God, there's no, there can, there's no place for compromise. It's just not there. Even if you tried to compromise, it's not there. You're just still in this kingdom. There's the, the way, the truth, and the life. He wants to lift us out. The Lord wants you to be saved. I'm bringing this to a close. The Bible says that he, he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All men will not be saved. All men are not saved. But many are and will be. And it certainly can be. But it is his will for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a decision. There's a decision that each person has to make. It's almost in the human dignity that God gave to man, that he didn't make us robots. The squirrels can't choose. The rabbits can't choose. The flocks of geese can't choose. Men created in the image of God can choose. Multitudes, multitudes of in the valley of decision, the Bible says. Multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is at hand and so there's this decision that a man has to make it's kind of God it's gracious of God to give to you a choice I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ I choose to believe in Jesus Christ I choose to have my sins forgiven I choose to be part of this kingdom I choose the Lord Amen? And in choosing, he does the rest. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen? We, spoke, we speak about his, this king and this kingdom. The Bible says he's coming again one day. He's coming again one day, and he's going to establish his kingdom. And of the increase of his government and peace upon the throne of David and his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. It's a sure kingdom with a sure king, and we can be part of it. Amen? We can be part of it. I want to close with these verses. The children quoted it during the, the music earlier. In Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren. So what's the conclusion to what Paul was saying in that passage? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you can and I would say this, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you must. 
You can and you must. You must be born again. And you can today give your life to the Lord. Some of the children prayed during this, this vacation Bible school, and they, they asked Jesus to be their Lord. Some of the children prayed and asked Christ to be their Lord and Savior. So all the work and all the hours and all the money and everything that was put into it is more than, more than, more than worth it. Because we'll forget how tired we were. We were uh, and the ladies up here late on Tuesday nights working. They'll forget about all that and cleaning up and setting up. But there'll be souls in heaven because of what was done. It's all glory to God. We just got to be used. We got to be an instrument in his hand. But I'm very thankful to be an instrument in his hand. I'm going to close with this verse. And D, you can come. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Amen. We stand. We stand with our feet planted upon the rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. And we will not be moved. Satan tries to come against us and buffet us. Satan tries to do things in our life. The world tries to influence and move us out of this kingdom. But we're, our house is built firmly and squarely and solely and wholly upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Having done all that he tells us to do, we stand. And he even helps us to do the things he tells us to do. He's the one that helps us to read the word. He's the one that help, gives us understanding of the Bible when we read it. He's the one that helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. He helps us with everything. He's the one that forgives us day after day when we fail him. He, we call upon the Lord. The Bible says we're, we're maintained and strengthened by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. I want to just do something this morning. Dee's playing. We're going to close in prayer. I'll say the blessing. We have all that waiting for us. But this is more important right now. This is what everything's been coming to and what God has brought us to this place. There's that scripture I paraphrased about multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. There's a decision. We're just in between two opinions and we're just kind of hovering right here. It's time to decide. It's time to decide which part of kingdom, which kingdom you're going to be part of. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to trust Jesus who died and rose again in power or, or are you not? Because there's no other Savior. If you don't trust him, where would you go? You know, Peter had a lot. He had the 12 disciples. We all know their names. But he had more disciples earlier on in his ministry. And he preached one, really, uh, one message that was stern, I guess you would say. And it was difficult to understand. And the Bible says from that point, many left him and walked no more with Jesus. They walked away. They made a choice, and they walked away from the Lord. And Jesus turned to the 12, and he says, Will you go away also? And Peter spoke up, and he said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we're, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're not going anywhere. We have good days and bad days. There's lots of things about God I don't understand. There's times I don't feel very Christian. There's times I sin and have to go and ask God to forgive me. There's lots of things that aren't perfected in my life yet. But I know that Christ is Lord. And I've given my life to him. And I'm not going anywhere else. And he's going to keep me. 
from falling, and he'll keep you from falling. He's keeping us in part of his kingdom, the keepers of the kingdom. Well, he's the keeper of the kingdom, amen? And we get to be part of that kingdom. So I want you all to stand with me this morning. If everyone would just stand. And I want to ask, and it might be unusual for you, it doesn't really matter. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. If you're one of the children that was here all week, or one of the parents or a member of this church that's been coming, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior and haven't given your life to Christ, you can pray this morning and just come with a simple prayer in a simple childlike faith and give your heart to the Lord. Amen. Y'all pray with me. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by you. The, the way is narrow. The, the gate is narrow. The way is narrow. But Lord, it's wide enough for all. It's big enough and broad enough for every man, woman, and child that desires to come. God, I pray that men would know the love of the Savior, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Lord, I pray for whoever's here this morning, if you want to give your life to Christ while Dee's playing, you just come right now, and I want to pray with you to give your life to Jesus, to be born of the Spirit of Almighty God. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never trusted the Lord. I've heard about Jesus. I know about him, but I don't know him. And I want to be confident that I'm in him, that my sins are forgiven, that I'm part of his kingdom. You come this morning. I would love to pray with you. The Lord's calling you to come right now. If you're here and you are a Christian, while we're waiting on those to respond, maybe you haven't been standing firm in the truth. Maybe your life's been uh, back and forth and tossed to and fro like a wave between two opinions of light and darkness. You're, maybe you're compromising and trying to find an area. You say, well, I'd like to please the world and enjoy the world, and I'd like to make it to heaven too. God's calling you to come out and be separate and to be part of his kingdom and to be bold in your faith and to walk in the fullness of his spirit and his joy. Anybody here this morning that wants to surrender more fully to the Lord or give their life to Christ, you come even now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. it really would be a shame to let something like pride or you know being timid or something like that keep you from heaven because you're too uh, maybe afraid of what you'll appear before others everyone Jesus called we read he called publicly to step out and take a stand he's here to meet you Father we love you this morning God we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins because you loved us, God, and didn't want us to remain in our sins and separated from you for all eternity. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for our sins and paid the price necessary to redeem us from our sins. I thank you, Lord, that all that you rose again the third day in power in your life today. I thank you that all that turn to you and trust you as Lord and Savior and confess you, Lord, you wash us in your blood and cleanse us and come and live inside of us and you give us the gift of eternal life. I thank you for your desire to redeem men unto yourself and your power to do so, God. Lord, again, I thank you for this week, God. I thank you so much for all those that work so hard, Lord. I thank you for blessing it and coming alongside and helping us, Lord. I thank you for those that children that gave their life to Christ. I pray they would live for you. And I pray they would be planted in this church and they would grow in, in, in Christ, Lord. I pray that parents of these children would know Jesus and live, it, live their faith uprightly before their children. We love you and thank you, Lord. We thank you for the food you provided for us, God. We pray you bless our fellowship this afternoon. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.